Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Hey, you know what? Got a great show planned for you this week. I have a special guest joining me for the entire show. You know, I have never done this before. I've never had somebody join me for an entire show and I'm so pleased to have him come in. Um, you know, I consider him an old friend, uh, definitely a colleague, somebody that has been working in the real estate industry even longer than me and it's Mr. Sam McDaddy. He's going to be joining me shortly and we've got lots to talk about about real estate. Folks, you definitely want to listen to this one. If not, go to the SoundCloud afterwards and pick it up if you can't listen to the entire show. But let's talk about what's going on in the marketplace right now. Um, new home sales absolutely going crazy and you know uh, build right now is just saying hey listen we don't have enough inventory in fact uh, you know some of the people there um, throughout the industry are telling us that they're going to run into an inventory absolute deadlock in about two to three years why well you know what I think we can reach out to Miss Wynn and say, hey, what are you doing about this? This was one of her promises in her 16-gauge shotgun approach, folks. And you know what? Right now, all you hear is crickets. There's absolutely nothing going on. She's not helping them. Nothing's going on. All I know is that she's got her hand out for the tax dollars, and we're not seeing any inventory being freed up. Right now, the wait time can be anywhere from five to 10 years for a builder to come in and do a full redevelopment and reallocation to land. And this is the problem. You know what? We knew that we were going to start running into some inventory problem. There's only so many sites that we can infill at this point, and the builders continue to struggle. So again, you know what? Next June, you can make a decision. Do you want inventory or not? Sorry, you know, I love I love poking the bear, you know, because at the end of the day, one of the things that I've always been a believer in is the fact that we need our builders to have more freedom to build. Remember the uh, the change in the idea that of rent control? Now, I know a lot of you have sat there and said, hey, listen, you know what? We believe in rent control. Great, but here's the problem. By do, implementing rent control for all the newer properties, now what happened is all the builders decided, Don't to build purpose-built apartment buildings. Why? Because they can't even make sure that they recover their building costs based on rent control. So another thought to, do, to, to take a look at. So numbers continue to stay, I would consider them steady. Year over year, July 2016 to July 2017, we're still up 5%. That's not bad. Think about it. Million dollars made $50,000 over a year and you're living there. But where people are starting to scramble is the ability to turn around and close. I'm going to talk a little bit about more about that with Sam, but just a couple of notes because, you know, talking to a few of the lawyers, some of the people out there, what's going on. Remember, folks, when you sign a contract, you sign a contract contract. Now, if it's conditional, you've got your way out. Conditional on financing. And this is one of those conditions that has to come back right now. You're not in multiple offers. Cover your butt. Condition on financing, condition on inspection. This is the time that you can utilize these conditions. They should have been left in place all the time. But what happens when you get a hot market and you are one of 75 people that want to buy that property? Guess what you do? Everybody drops their pants and all of a sudden now they're paying for it. So here's what you should consider. You should consider making sure that you get your pre-approval. Remember, the banks may tighten up a little. You've got to make sure that this thing appraises. If you're buying today, when you're paying for it, you want to make sure that your bank goes in, does an appraisal, push your finance condition if you have to. You will get cooperation from sellers. If they have to sell right now, they have to sell. I'm not telling you it's a buyer's market because quite frankly, I think we're in a stable market. We're returning to what I would call the year 2015, 2014. This market is exactly there. What we were looking at 
through 2016 and the beginning of 2017 out of control. It's the Wild West. You know, I keep thinking of the the cowboy movies, somebody coming down, the sheriff coming down. There was no sheriff in the marketplace. Everybody was just going for a free-for-all. And at the end of the day, I think we're in a much better place than we have been over the last 18 months. We're going to stabilize. Yep, sorry for some of you that you've probably taken it on the chin if you bought probably in March and April. But you know what? It will come back. And the one thing you can be sure of, with the lack of inventory coming in, with the lack of new builds, with the amount of immigration that's happening, your prices will return. Why don't we turn west and take a look at Vancouver? Right now, they are back. You know what? Everybody thought that they were going to have a blowout. Yes, they did for a couple of months. They dropped down. And now we're sitting in August 2017, and it's higher than May 2016 at their peak. So we've got to keep our eye on the marketplace. Remember, every single day, it seems like there's a new stat coming out. They used to measure them year by year. Then it was quarter by quarter. Then it was month by month, week by week, day by day, minute by minute. You know, it's amazing the stats that are flying around, and you've got to be careful you don't get caught up in them because, again, we should be talking year by year. If you're a speculator, you're worried about day by day. Guess what I always tell you? You should not be a speculator. If you're going to buy it, buy it because you need a home. Buy it because you're raising your family. Buy it because you want to live there. If you're buying it just because you think you're going to flip it and make money, guess what? The government's going to come after you because they are now coming after the flippers as well. Remember? Part of that 16-gauge shotgun approach. Don't be afraid. Be very afraid, okay? Because they are going to come after you. By the way, speaking of coming after you, um, if you are doing some of the assignments... You owe Revenue Canada. Keep this in mind, folks. You can't just flip a piece of property and think you're going to make money and not pay the piper. You will be, and the government's going to tell you how. So joining me now in the studio is, well, I'm going to tell you that he's an old friend of mine. Um, also, we were competitors for many, many years, and it is Mr. Sam McDaddy. And Sam, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to be back. You know, I, I have to tell you, it's always, uh, it's always great sitting down and having a conversation with you, you know. Uh, you've been in the industry for so long um, to give a quick introduction most people most of our listeners are going to know your name for sure but uh, folks to help you out uh, Sam has been probably one of the top leaders in real estate in Canada I'll say the world for sure Sam when you were with Remax you were top agent in the world uh, you know it's been amazing to watch your career uh, can you tell us a little bit about your your history in real estate and your, tell us tell us about your team sure so I've gotten the business I'm dating myself a little bit, but it's almost been 30 years now, and I can't believe the journey. It's been a great journey, but when I first started out, I was a solo practitioner and, you know, built the business based on honesty and integrity, and before long, I realized that I couldn't personally handle the business myself, so I hired and brought on some teammates, kind of build a team structure. Didn't know much about it today. There's a lot of business models or team models where, you know, people have an awareness of how to build a team, so... Before long, you know, our business grew and grew, and today we sit with about 45 teammates, um, about 10 administrators, and it's a, you know, well-oiled machine, and we bring a lot of value added. So we have our full-time stagers, three, for example, uh, full-time inspector, social media specialist. So we've kind of treated like a true business to provide the ultimate service experience for our clients. Yeah. Sam, you've seen the market in its best and worse. And um, I, I, I'm going to go backwards a little with you because I want to talk about the late 80s and early 90s. Massive, massive adjustment. Um, what was it like? Because that, 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 you were fairly new in the industry right then. 
I was just getting in the business 88, 89. So I saw about maybe six good months where all these realtors were doing real well. The market was crazy. Not too dissimilar to what we saw in the first quarter of this year. And then 89, I believe April 89, the market just turned. And for five, six years, it was real tough. Very, yeah. very difficult. Yeah, you know, we, we, we do call it a crash. We call it a recession. Um, I think that uh, there was a lot of repossessed Mercedes and Ferraris right about then. Because remembering back in, you know, when I was when I was working with, um, with the actual construction industry back then, um, I remember watching some of these realtors, you know, 88, 89, a lot of flash was happening. So let's, let, let's bump it up. You know, we'll go, we'll go 28 years forward, 29 years forward and today okay um, right now we're in a marketplace and you know all the, the I, I'm looking at the newspapers I'm looking at my you know all my my main news feeds that I get you know price slump tight cash wreak havoc in Canada's top housing markets these are these are these are the the a lot of the headlines um, tell me you you saw the market then are we in the same market I don't believe so, no. I believe the market in late 80s, early 90s was a completely different market. Interest rates were double digits. Right now, the only reason our market's really changed is government intervention, so a lot of it's the optics, right? Really, materially, nothing, in my opinion, has changed. So I think this is short-lived. Once we, you know, people adjust to new realities, then I think our market will resume. I do caution people when we were going up 20 30% a year, that's unhealthy, and that's unnatural. So that, to me, is a recipe for disaster. And I I believe the reason our market did so well for 15, 20 years is it was slow and steady. So I was always guarded and I told my teammates the early part of the year that prices people are posting are kind of not realistic and that's going to change. But the market itself will not change in my opinion. I just think there's a bit of an adjustment period and the market will resume to a more healthy, stabilized place. Great. Listen, I, I, I know uh, you're going to stay with me for most of the show today, which is awesome. I really appreciate the fact that you're, you're spending so much time with us here at Simply Real Estate. Um, you know, as I said, I've always been a fan, you know, uh, back in the day when you and I would, uh, you know, I, I would say trade paint, meaning that, you know, we go head to head, you know, you'd win, I'd win. But, you know, the most important thing that uh, I, I need to, I think, reiterate to our listeners is, you know, um, professional agents, and you know there's lots that i want to talk to you about this hour about the industry itself you know some of the governing bodies getting involved i also want to talk a little bit more about the swing of the market the last 12 months and how we can analyze and break it down because again looking at the numbers you know they're not really showing I think the true effect, and so uh, if, you're, if you're up for it, uh, if you plan on staying with us, that'd be awesome. It's, of course, my pleasure. Okay. Listen, folks, I've got uh, Sam McDaddy joining me this hour, and it's awesome to have him on board. We're going to talk a lot about real estate, what's going on with rules and regulations, what you can anticipate, and uh, you know what? We're going we're gonna to whip out the crystal ball. We're going to have a good conversation to find out what is going to happen over the next, let's say, 6, 12, 18 months. I'm going to put uh, Sam on the hot seat a little because I'm going to ask him some good questions that most people are probing and wanting to know. So when we come back, I've got more with Sam McDaddy. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You're listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. If you're just joining me, my guest in the show this week is Mr. Sam McDaddy. I know you know the name. If you've seen real estate over the GTA over the last 20 or 30 years, Sam has been the leader in the industry for so many years. 
and we're talking about real estate. So Sam, just before the break, you and I were talking about the market and I asked you, you know, very pointed question is, are we in a crash market like we were in the 80s? And you know, you you, you were very adamant and actually very serious about your response saying, you don't think so. And, and you know, coming from your experience, you know, I, I think a lot of people need to listen to this, but let's take a look at maybe the reason why we are where we are today. Um, you know, as you said, big run up, you know, we March and March and April were not sustainable by any stretch. Numbers were just so out of whack. 30% increase year over year, 40% in some marketplaces. You know, uh, when government decides to flex a little bit of muscle, I, I'm not going to agree with that. I don't know. I don't know how you take it. Uh, we'll be careful that we don't, you know, put you on the hot seat with it with a political situation. But at the end of the day, I'll, I'll, I'll say for most of my listeners, you know, big X on that one. Um, do you think that that was really the main factor because if we if we flip over to the west coast and we talk about Vancouver last year and and the BC market before they implemented the foreign buyer tax uh, the market was kind of petering out like it hit that crest but everybody felt that it was going to turn all by itself they threw the foreign buyer tax in scared everybody dropped it is that what happened here in Ontario or was there just so many factors that was the key factor. I believe our market had, at some point was going to adjust to a more normalized state, but the government intervention, I think, took over the top, and the perception of most people was, wow, it hit Vancouver pretty hard, so you know, now all of a sudden we're going to sit on the sidelines and evaluate to see what's going to happen. So if there's 15 offers a week before that, where'd the buyers go? They're still there. They're just kind of analyzing the market, trying to figure out when the best time to get back in is. And really, when you look at it, 5% of the buyers are non-residents. So it's a small, small pool, right? So, but it it accomplished the desired effect of slowing down the market, right? Okay. But nothing else fundamentally changed. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, though, because, you know, a, a lot of people, and, and this is, I think, the misperception that most people had. Did you have clients coming with bags of money, like showing up at your doorstep and say, hey, Sam, I have $1.5 in cash in this briefcase. Find me a house. No, that, that we didn't see that play out. I, I, I know, but this, you know that that's part of the, you know, some of the stuff in the media. You know, I was looking at some of the articles throughout the last 12 months, and people were sitting there saying, oh, yeah, you know, just bags of cash. And of course, they always bring it more of the Chinese buyers, because that's the, that's the one they targeted first and foremost out in the BC area. And then automatically, they figured, okay, since BC got hit with it, you know, Everybody came running here to Toronto, and when we take a look at it, and 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 I'll tell you, I actually had some realtors that said they showed up, and there was somebody had a briefcase full of money, and I thought to myself, well, first of all, um, money laundering, FinTrack, we had a bit of a problem here. Uh, you may want to call your broker on this one, but I mean. Was it such a misperception? Because I, I think that that's part of the reason why the market was being driven, because everybody's waiting for that you know, foreign buyer to come whip it up to their house. Absolutely. And I believe the media plays such a vital role in terms of shaping people's thoughts, because most people, they have three ways to analyze you know, where the market's going, what life's doing in general. It's TV, radio, and newspapers. So if that's get, you're getting bombarded on a daily basis saying the market's turning, the numbers are down, as a buyer, you're just like, okay, I better wait. If I see prices softening, then I'm going to sit on the sidelines. And I tell people, go against the grain. When there's 15 offers, people had no problem being offered number 16 in the spring. Sure. When you've got a clear path now and you can buy a property for a much better price, you want to wait. Wait for what? For the prices to go up again and get back in? So I think people are missing the boat because I think there's buying opportunities in this marketplace which weren't available in the spring. Okay, but you know, you made a good point there. You you just said you know now they've got a clear path and now they're 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 still putting on the brakes. Your take is the market going to continue to go down? Look, we're here. We are end of August and we know that the stats coming out in July prices were still up. 
okay, despite the fact volume. And, and again, another media problem here, they always sit there and if you, you know, you watch the, the news as much as I do, and it's like, you know, oh, the market's down by 40%. And automatically, everybody says the sky is falling, right? Everybody's just having absolutely losing it. They're saying, oh, my God, I lost so much money. But what they don't say is they in volume, you know, they always they always miss to, to finish the sentence, you know, markets off by 40%. Um, when when you take a look at it, do you think that the market's going to adjust that much more? Or we've pretty much taken the air out of the tires enough? In some instances, in some areas where prices got really padded, we saw a price adjustment where it was probably required because people were way overpaying in the spring. And we cautioned our buyers, don't get caught up in the buying frenzy because at some point you're going to be offside. And, you know, we knew that. So we thought it was fantastic for the sellers. But now, I mean, there's been, you know, all in plus right now in the marketplace, there's sellers who still have to sell. They committed to buying a property. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Sure. So there's great opportunities. Moving forward, most people today will say, listen, I'm going to sell first and I'll buy after because I don't want be caught up with what I saw happen in the spring market because most people in the spring assumed they could sell their house in an hour or two hours. Yeah. If you're on the market two or three days, we weren't doing our job. Something yeah. was wrong, right? <laughs> so, you know, now they've understood that that's not a normal market. So I think sellers will be buyers and sellers alike will be more cautious in their kind of approach. Well, you know, you just mentioned something and you mentioned normal market, but yet for the 18 months, everybody thought that was the normal market. And, you know, here we are, you know, I don't know what your summer has been like. I know you're always busy. You've got a, you know, got a great team. You're always, you've got tons of listings always on the go, but the one thing that you and I had experienced for years and years and years was the, the cyclical part of the market. Remember, like, you know what, we'd have the hot spring market. You know, if, if you were going to be a listing agent, you had to make sure January, February, March, you get that inventory going because you had your spring buyers who were always shooting to close in the summertime. We missed that for two years. 2016 and 2015, we did not have a normal market. It just skated right on through. We watched so many sales coming through record July in August and June, if, if you remember the stats coming through. All of a sudden, now we're back to a normalized market, I think. All of a sudden, July, all of a sudden, oh, numbers are down. No, we're in a normal market. But everybody, the interpretation, because you know they, they got you, the norm as, oh, July, I can sell my house in, in a second, and but we're back to normal. What do you think? I, absolutely. So you hit the nail on the head. Spring market usually is our high season. Summer, there's a bit of a lull, which we're experiencing now. I mean, sales are still taking place, but not at the same level as the spring, which is normal. But people did get used to late last fall to early spring to this really crazy, abnormal market. And they thought that was just the way of life. And that's not. that That's not sustainable. So today we're seeing a normal market, a healthy market, which is what we want to see. And we prefer to see a slow and steady growth on an annual basis. Five, seven, eight percent is great, sustainable. You know, when you start seeing 20, 30%, which is also what happened late 80s, 86 to 89, they doubled. Yep. And you knew at some point there was going to be a correction. We're, same thing this year. We knew early. Now, we didn't think what really caused it right now. And at some point, the market would have slowed down. But I think it was government intervention and the perception of the changes which caused the slowdown. Because it would have continued for a few, for, few more months. And in my opinion, not that we want to talk about politics, but I think they should have implemented this maybe end of August if they're going to make a change because they've affected too many people who maybe just bought a week before at a high price, expected to get a high price price and the height of the spring market, you don't want to make changes unnaturally because anytime you force a change, it's unnatural, right? And there's going to be some backlash, less repercussions, right? So to me, I think if you want to do that, maybe end of August would be a better time where the market had taken kind of its normal lull and then the people would have already bought and sold because, you know, Todd, there's been a lot of people who have bought a house and are saying, I don't know if I want to close. You know, my neighbor next door, the property I bought next door is a sale for 200000 less. I think so, I don't want to close. So I'm going to have you hold that thought because we're going to go to a quick break, but I want you to pick up on that 
that as soon as we come back. Folks, stay with me. I'll be back with Sam McDowdy. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is Mr. Sam McDaddy. You know the name. Sam is the top realtor in the GTA for many, many years. His team is fantastic. And the one thing that Sam and I were talking about was the fact that what is this market doing? Hey, listen, by the way, you can go to the SoundCloud and listen to my show anytime. So if you want to pick up what Sam and I were talking about for basically the first half hour, you definitely want to listen to this one, folks, because some great information coming out. And remember, if you need to reach me, go to the simpleinvestor.com today, you'll find out about what's going on. So Sam, just before the break, you were hitting on a point, I stopped you because I wanted to keep that point going. You know, we were talking about the fact that people are now sitting there, um, you know, some of the properties aren't closing. Now, in some of the headlines, though, and this is the thing, this is where I think that, you know, you hear four or five stories, they make major headlines, and all of a sudden, everybody's suffering the same thing. What do you think? Tell, tell, tell us more about what we were, ch- we were chatting about. Well, you know, we're seeing, and, and I've shared with my team earlier on when we saw the change with the government intervention that, listen, there'll probably be one of every 10 deals that might have some issues along the way, whether the, the buyer of the property can't sell their house and that could be an issue or whether they choose not to want to close, right? And so we've experienced some of that. And so at the end of the day, most of the time it resolves. I mean, there's been a few instances where unfortunately it hasn't. And, you know, we've been instructed to get the house back on the market because maybe the buyer didn't have the financial capacity to close. And in some instances, some of them maybe opted not to close and there's legal repercussions and there's a, a case in Vancouver which got settled a few months ago yeah. um, where the person said ah, I'm just not going to close on the deal because the prices went down and the seller got awarded I think three hundred and seventy or eighty thousand dollars so that was a good case precedent which is pretty clear that if you choose not to close on a transaction nobody forced you to buy the property and if you bought it at a price that you're no longer happy with you know fulfill your contractual obligation because I think that's yeah. important yeah it is important and when and you and I are probably we're going to you know, keep talking about more stuff definitely we're going to go down the rico area stuff guidelines in a few minutes but talking talking about what we're seeing and and, and the mind perception right now so here's the thing you've got people that have uh, they bought committed and figured okay you know they waited maybe a little too long uh to get their house on the market and now you know some of them are getting a little bit stuck um one of the things that I've always encouraged people that as if you bought a property, and this is this is one of the things that I I, I think that people are starting to struggle with, the finance companies. Um, you know, if you buy something with a 90-day closing, some people aren't worried about their financing because they, you know, they got a pre-approval, so they said, "Oh yeah, buy firm." Then they turn around and they wait almost to the last three weeks before they get the appraiser in to get the financing set up. Here's the problem, market dropped. And so now we're hearing more and more that the appraisers aren't coming in at that value. And this is one of the things that, you know, you were just mentioning that, you know, people people are sitting there saying, hey, listen, I'm not gonna fulfill my obligation because look, the house has gone down in value. Should people, especially in a situation that, let's say they go in competition, should they not get their financing arranged as soon as they get this thing under contract? 110%. I believe any good realtor representing a buyer, especially in a market which was heightened, we made buyers aware, listen, just in case the property doesn't appraise, you need to have extra money available because to make up the differential because we want to make sure that the deal went down successfully and we didn't put anybody at risk, the seller, etc. Some of the realtors you know, are quick to maybe just put the deal together and not thinking about the aftermath, and that's really dangerous for, for all parties because sometimes there's a big rippling effect as well. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, if we talk about move up buyers and then all of a sudden if it starts one, you've got 
got this cascade domino effect, right? And it doesn't just affect one deal. It can affect three, four, five deals along the way. And this is this is one of those things that if you're the guy causing the problem, there's a lot more than just the deal you're dealing with. It could cause more problems down the road for a lot of other people. So, um, you know, when we talk about you know, interpretation of value, um, when do you see the market kind of flattening out? In my opinion, we're you know we could ask this every day, as I'm sure you do, Todd. And and you know what's the market doing? Where are prices going? And nobody has a crystal ball, firstly. But I think today, you know, I think it's a good buying opportunity. I think we've seen the markets, you know, kind of flatten today. And I believe that you know moving forward, you're probably going to see a pretty reasonable fall market, a normal fall market, if we want to call it that, where there'll be healthy supply uh, supply and demand. I think the distinction this spring, and I think this is where it probably really you know, affected the market. There was such limited supply and everything was getting absorbed real quick. And where multiple offers were typically, you know, reserved to the beaches area or High Park, I mean, Hamilton, Burlington, Oakville, Brampton, Mississauga are all doing multiple offers or delayed offers, right? Because there's such limited inventory. And I look back, Todd, and I think, you know, why was there limited inventory, right? And prices were going up 50000 a month on a million-dollar property. So yep. 5% monthly, it was crazy. Then we realized, you know, after the market, you know, the market turned a little bit. Everybody was trying to get in the market. They're trying to time the market, right? So I thought people were going to have to buy, sell high, and that was maybe why they didn't want to participate. It was just trading high dollars for high dollars. But in fact, I think a lot of people tried to time the market, and that's all dangerous too, right? So speculation, it's a tough game, right? Right. So, okay. So this week out in the news, uh, new home prices up amid the sales slump. Apparently the inventory is exceptionally low for builders right now. You know, they're struggling with the land. They're struggling with the government. Um, you know, I know Kathleen Wynn tunes in every single week here at Simply Real Estate. Thanks, Miss Wynn. Appreciate it. Anyways, um, <laughs> just so you know, Sammy, I, I, I don't know if you hear it all the time. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, animosity that I have there. Um, so with, 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 with the government the way they are right now, you know, they keep saying, no, we don't have an inventory problem. The builders, we have, uh, we've had John Carlos Afidis from Build come on on numerous occasions. You know, uh, we've had all sorts of, uh, you know, wonderful people, people People from CBRE, uh, you know, we have uh, we have the you know uh, Phil Soper, uh, you know, head of uh, Royal Page. A lot of conversation is around, as you mentioned, inventory. Okay, right now we've got the buyers that have come off the ledge. They're not buying right now. They want to watch it, but we're still down in inventory, despite the fact it sounds like we're up. From a normalized market, we're still, you know, I, I think, what are we running? Maybe a 60-day inventory right now? The builders themselves, prices are way up, and they continue to go up, and they say that that's not going to stop. Do we have an inventory problem typically in Ontario based on our population? The GTA for sure, and I think that's not changing because you're in so many people coming to the GTA. It's a hot spot, and you know where we are today. There's there's an issue with land and development, so I think that's not going to change the foreseeable future. So that's going to definitely put pressure on pricing, short and long term. Right now, talk to me about foreign buyers. Um, have you uh, over the last 18, 24 months had a lot of foreign buyers approach you? Because uh, listen, you you are an inventory king. You know you you are a listing agent. Uh, I know you work with a lot. Your you've got, your team works with buyers, but you've always been a strong listing agent. Um, are there still foreign buyers that are out looking, even though the fifteen percent tax has come in? 
There is, and, and I think some of the Chinese buyers have probably taken a bit of a, a break or breather or evaluation to see what's happening in the marketplace, but they're coming out again now. They're, so the ones, and you got to remember, when you would define, in my opinion, you define foreign buyer, are they fresh off the boat? Or are they ones living here that are now, you know, got their first house and moving into their second house? Yeah, so, and, and I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because, you know, a lot of that perception, again, goes down to, and I, I you know, I, I interviewed a bunch of realtors and they said, you know, the neighbor would come out and say, oh, look, there's a, and, and, and forgive us because the, we are not by any means trying to, you know, spear hold saying foreign buyers are only Chinese buyers. But they'd see, they would perhaps see somebody of Asian influence walking up to the house and they say, oh, it's a foreign buyer. And it's like, excuse me, their kid was born here, lived, went to university. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a perception of foreign buyers. And I, I, and I think the media has handled it so poorly to define who the actual foreign buyer is. Foreign buyer means they don't live here. Okay. They're not, they don't have their kids going to school here. You know, in most cases, they're just, you know, they throw the money here, leave the property vacant, and then, you know, they, they pay taxes in another country. When you actually have people that are coming here to go to school, have jobs, maybe they're maybe they're not landed yet, maybe they haven't got their full status yet, but their intent is to be Canadians forever, you can't keep calling these people foreign buyers. Yeah, and, and by and large, that's who our buyers are today. So they've been here maybe five, seven years, they're buying a move-up house, they're settling the family here, so their intention are to be Canadian residents slash citizens, etc. So, you know, the ones really just buying, investing, that's a small, small piece for me. Yeah, I know, and that was part of the big thing that the government wanted to throw that out. And, and look, <clears throat> it affected Vancouver, but now Vancouver's bounced back. In fact, Vancouver's peak price is higher than it was at the peak of May 20. 2016, like good parts of that market have more than rebounded. And they're saying, now they're saying, look, at, and, and, and part of the thing is they're saying maybe they found a way in. I don't know. What's your take? Without a shadow of a doubt here, our prices will be stabilized, in my opinion, in, if they haven't already done so, and the prices will continue to mount. So I think this non-resident tax, for my, in my opinion, is a bit of smoke and mirrors, and I don't think it's going to have, you know, it doesn't have the impact people think it will, but it has the optics for people to It's a mindset. Kind of, for sure. The mindset is that maybe people to take a bit of a pause and just reflect, but reality is it has such little implication in our marketplace. Okay, so Sam, we're going to go a quick break. Uh, best way for uh, people to reach your team? You can simply email me at Sam, S-A-M, at mcdaddymcdaddi.com. Excellent. Okay, when we come back, folks, we've got more with Sam McDaddy, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the show. So my guest this hour is Mr. Sam McDaddy. Uh, you know, uh, Sam and I had uh, worked together for years and years and years in the real estate industry. Um, you know, he has built an incredible team of professionals. And, uh, you know, Sam, I, I think I told you this off air. You know, definitely one of the names that I like to throw out is yours when somebody asks for a referral. So, um, you know, tell us, uh, you know, just a, a quick synopsis. Um, you know, what's, what's your activity like right now? You've got a good-sized team. Lots of listings, lots of activity going, you know. Yeah, it's, listen, life is great, Todd, and, um, you know, we're really happy where we are today. We're, I'm still very passionate about what we do, which is what we talked about earlier um, off offline here, and that's very important for us, right? So I've got a great team, which is almost like a second family to me. 
Uh, you know, we mentor them, we train together, we play hard, work hard. Uh, you know, and really the important thing for us is having good core values within our group. And I think that's what we instill with our teammates. And that's really helped propel us and have longevity. But loving the journey, health is good, and all is good. Excellent. Excellent. So we've had quite a conversation today so far. Um, you know, we talk about the market, talking about, you know, some of the things that were implemented. Um, I call it, uh, you know, everybody is probably sick and tired of me calling it this way. But, uh, you know, it was the 16-point uh, approach. I call it 16-gauge shotgun approach because it was like whatever will stick was, was the, the the, the Ontario government's uh, mandate to do it. Um, you know, you, you talked about timing. I agree. I think the implementation, the way they did it, I think it was poorly done. I think they should have given uh, people the spring market instead of, I think they're jeopardizing too many families. You know, the, the biggest thing that I think in this entire thing is they didn't give it enough time. So you, you, you know, you throw that whole foreign buyer thing and I didn't agree with Vancouver giving two weeks notice. I definitely did not agree with the provincial government giving it one day and looking, looking at it, you know, they should have turned around and said, we're going to implement it as of September 1. Okay. That allows everybody to get through, get their kids moved to their next school. You know, I think that they hurt people. My sentiments, and I share that with everybody on a daily basis, that if the market continued at that pace, there should have been some potential corrective action at some point, but not in the middle of the spring market where there's too much at stake for families and people got beat up pretty good financially. And that's, you know, difficult to see that. And they had, nobody could see that coming to that level or that scale. So people made decisions or assumptions based on what information they had available at that time, which is I can sell my place no problem. I can get these kind of dollars. And they made pretty strong financial commitments based on that premise. And when it turned around based on something they couldn't control, that had that that was, that was a lot of hardship for sure. Yeah, and you know part of part of it is um, you know a lot of people said it was uh, you know the wind government trying to get votes coming up for next June. Um, folks, if you really want to turn around and get your calculator out, um, and and I'm going to be really harsh here, but for those of you that were planning on selling your place this spring or this summer, and the market dropped, and you're retiring, because here's the thing, this is the number one asset, as you and I both know. You know working. As a, as, a, as a realtor for many, many years, we have to recognize and respect people's homes because this is their greatest asset. And a lot of people will sit there and say, well, how, home's not an asset. It is when you've paid off your mortgage and this is what you deem to be part of your retirement. And now when you want to turn around and start adjusting it by 20%, somebody, you know, I, a, lot of, a lot of people say, well, we need to give first-time homebuyers a chance. Well, listen, there's also a lot of money that people need to have for retirement. If this is your number one asset and you, you no longer can get the same value, how many people did that affect when they changed that market and go, boom, all of a sudden these people that were sitting there thinking of retiring, saying, hey, listen, you know what, I'm going to sell my house this summer. You know what, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to retire. And all of a sudden they drop, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in value. They're going to sit there and say, well, no, maybe I can't retire yet. You know, so, you know, I think it's a cascading effect, not only from a, from a cash perspective for people for money, but also from even a, a business because back in, in 2009, when we hit that, you know, the recession part of it, do you remember how many people were going to retire and then they st they couldn't? Stock market went down. People all of a sudden said, no, I'm going to have to work. So I'm going to work to 67, 68, 69. I'm going to take another job. I'm going to become a consultant. So many people have been affected by bad management of government. I think that this is part of it. 
Yeah, listen, and if 110% that we've seen a lot of people impacted negatively. And, and by the time they realize what happened, oh, we're going to get on the market now. Let's fast track. It was too late. Too late. They missed the boat, right? So if you're one or two weeks too late, the information was out, then you missed it. And, and unfortunately, some sellers were in a bit of a denial state because they didn't want to believe they missed it by a week or two. And when they were unfortunate, they did. You know, it was hard to tell them, guys, unfortunately, if this was a month ago, we'd be fine. We'd be getting next dollars today. We have to really readjust in terms of dollar expectations. And that was a challenge. Now, listen, today, I think enough people know that those numbers are no longer attainable. So we come in on a listing presentation, say, what were the prices pre-April 21st and post-April 21st? Because there's a distinction. May sales were slightly different. And it's, and it's pocket-driven to area by area. Some areas held better than others. That's some that got, you know, probably padded pretty good in the first quarter. Yeah. They, they, they adjusted for sure. Yeah. And, and as you said, inventory had a huge part of it. I mean, look, at if, if, uh, if there's a certain neighborhood and only one house comes up a year, that one's always going to sell. And you know what? That demand will always be there because the demand for the... So, so you... I think you nailed it when you said some areas were not adversely affected, but then if you take a look at the general, you know, the, the, the ones where there there could have been 30 houses coming in the market for sale, those are the ones who are going to get affected the most. Sam, uh, some rule changes, you know, you hear a lot in the news, okay, realtors are always on the hot seat, you know, and one of the things is ARIA right now, you know, they're pushing RICO, which as uh, you and I both know, our policing body <laughs> for realtors, they're pushing them real hard right now and saying, look, at, we want you guys to step up, you know, increase the fines, make it harder for realtors. Um, what's your take? Well, you know, I believe today in the marketplace, we have about 45,000 realtors, which is probably an all-time high. I mean, I don't have the exact numbers. It's a pretty lofty number, right? Yep. And and when we look at the stats, you know, and we haven't run the stats for a little bit, but typically 20, 30% of the realtors at the end of the year sell no houses, like zero houses, right? So I was going to say 80% of the realtors <laughs> do no business, 20% run the market. Yeah, but, okay. but 20, 30% sell no houses. Sure. So if you look at 15,000 realtors selling no houses or 10,000 realtors, so if some all of a sudden they're now transacting in real state, they haven't really touched it for a year or two, sure. they're, they're not probably doing their client justice. So, you know, I think there's probably some element of improvement that's required for the realtors who aren't really committed to the business. They get it, they're doing it part-time or no time, and they're not really trained and seasoned. So I, I think that element is fair. Sorry, Todd, I know you're going to say no, something. No, no, so, no, no, yeah, no. So, I, I'm listening because I, I think it's a it's a valid point. But, you know, here's here, here's the hardest thing, though. They chose to become realtors. They are not, they're not doing it full-time. And I think full-time professionals, as all our listeners know here at Simply Real Estate. I do nothing but preach about going with a full-time professional agent at all times. I know, I, and, and, and or when I say professional, for those of you that ever take offense of me saying this, then you must consider yourself not professional. So there, there's, there's my little disclaimer, Sam. I always can get out of it that way by saying, hey, listen, you know, if, if you're a professional, then you're not offended by what I'm saying. But if you, if you are, then guess what? <laughs> so so your, point, your point, though, is, and, and, and you can continue because I want you to because the most important thing here is to establish, you know, who are the people that are actually doing the business? You know, there's, uh, I believe, and if you look at the numbers, this hasn't really changed. The top, you know, 10%, 15% of the realtors are probably doing the lion's share of the business, right? And and I think they're really, they're all in. They're fully engaged. They're training. They're learning. Every week, our team does brainstorming training sessions. And I'm also listening in. I, I want to be, I'm a student as well as a teacher because I think it's really important because everything's changing and we want to keep our eyes and ears open. And if you're not doing that, you're doing a disservice to your clients because things are changing so quickly, right? So do I think that there's a need for maybe some changes? I, I believe so. And, you know, there's a lot of things coming down the pipeline, you know, stiffer fines. 
you know, but nothing is, I mean, we've had a lot of realtors for many years, right? So sure. we had that discussion earlier, you know, why all of a sudden do they want to make stiffer, you know, have stiffer penalties today versus a year or two ago? What's causing that? Is that the media? Is it the way to deflect? You know, I'm not clear on that. Right? I mean, why all of a sudden there's a requirement for them to look at heavier fines, right? Or heavier penalties, et cetera. Yeah. You know, one of, again, the media always likes to play the game because they want to get people to read the articles. Uh, one is that Aria is sour grapes because they've lost the education factor. Uh, you know, George Brown's going to be picking it up uh, come 2019. Um, and so, you know, they believe that since Rico awarded it that way, that perhaps that it's sour grapes. And, you know, I've had uh, I've had both parties on, both Rico and Aria. I have profound respect for both parties. Um, you know, they're saying, no, it's just time that we cleaned it up because, you know, Reba came in in 2002. You know, you and I were full steam when all that came through. And, you know, you could see a rippling effect in the industry. It did affect agents because some of them just had no idea what they were doing. Um, but at this stage, you know, I think that uh, one, of, one of the important things and, and you know, we've had uh, we've had people on from Rico and one of the th important things is that people have to understand their contract. Tell me just, you know, briefly, you know, your 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 team, you know, it's very important that your clients have that confidence in that they're not signing something they shouldn't. Yeah, we want to make sure everything's crystal clear to them, and we want to rather we'd rather go overboard to make sure everything's very transparent, transparency and honesty. Because sometimes, for example, a big piece is let's say a buyer agency agreement, right? And sometimes yeah. a buyer, first time buyer, is signing an agreement of purchase and sale, and a BA gets slipped underneath, and nobody's really you know made aware of what they're signing, the implications. And I think that's a big no-no. So you know, if you're getting a buyer agency agreement, which I think agents should, I mean, then but everything has to be crystal clear, understanding the agency relationship, the commitments on both sides, and if as long as that's done and fully disclosed, you're doing the right thing. But sometimes, unfortunately, it's not done properly and things, you know, maybe as a first-time buyer, they're maybe taken advantage of a little bit. So I think there's reason to have concern if that's playing out. Yeah, no, that's that's that, that's good. And you know what? The one thing is, that, and I've always admired, is that you know, you don't have bad press. You don't have clients saying, "Hey, look at you know, Sam made me sign something I didn't want to sign." Um, you know, I, I like the idea that full disclosure is so important and transparency. I think it's one of those one of those things that uh, that as a, a professional, I've always recognized with yourself and your team. Um, as you know, you know, you your your team and I uh, had done lots of deals over the years um, when when I was you know full steam with it, and it was always a pleasure. Um, Sam, so one more time, uh, best way for everybody to reach Team McDaddy? Sam at McDaddy.com. Okay, excellent. Listen, Sam, it's been a real pleasure having you on today. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate you spending some time with us and clarifying a lot. Todd, huge respect for you. You're a great guy, and I'm, I'm proud of everything you've done, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much. Folks, that was Sam McDaddy. Um, like I said, uh, definitely reach out to Sam. Go to Sam at mcdaddy.com there we you go got it. perfect listen uh it's been a uh, interesting week and i'm sure that the fall is going to be just as busy so uh, for all of us here at simply real estate i would like to thank my producer mr ian grant as usual he keeps it simple for me and i want to thank you for listening it's always a pleasure so i'm your host todd c slater you've been listening to simply real estate right here on news talk 1010